Thank you for joining me here to the podcast version of the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, broadcasting on AWSM Radio on Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. Check out the links to the post below, including my friend socialb.io for all of your social media management needs. All right, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. Now broadcasting. From his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur post-surgery care expert. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day. All we do, my friends, is entertain, inspire, and inform. And I want to engage with you. I want you to be part of the conversation. So, my friends, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, on the Counter Social, on the Cameo, on the Twitch, although I I haven't been on Twitch recently, uh, at Colt S. Taylor. And, of course, if you have missed this week's show, you can catch the podcast version at Colt at uh, anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. And then, you know, links to all these locations are located at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, some sad news. Uh, musical legend Tina Turner passed away this week at the age of 83 in Switzerland, uh, which she was a citizen, actually, which I, I did not know. She had uh, gotten Swiss citizenship uh, about a half a decade, decade ago. Uh, passed away on May 24th after a long illness. Now, Tina Turner, widely seen as the queen of rock and roll throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s and 70s and 60s, decades, a decades of decades and decades of a career, amazing singer, and uh, her death, uh, a lot of people released statements about it, uh, including uh, Oprah Winfrey, who said she once shared with me that when her time came to leave the source, she would not be afraid, but excited and curious. I am a better woman, a better human, because her life touched mine. She was indeed simply the best. Uh, Tina Turner made a surprise appearance on the Oprah Winfrey show for over birthdays way back when. Uh, another uh, statement came from Angela Bassett. Uh, who played Tina Turner in the 1993 biopic What's Love Got to Do With It, who told CNN, Turner showed others who lived in fear what a beautiful future filled with love, compassion, and freedom should look like. Uh, in a concert in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Arizona, Lizzo, great, great singer Lizzo, uh, did a spirited rendition of Proud Mary uh, when she added on stage uh, as a black girl in a rock band, I would not exist if it, not, if, it not, if it were not for the queen of rock and roll. Uh, others, other statements came in from uh, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, Ringo Starr. Uh, Mick Jagger released a statement saying, I am so saddened by the passing of my wonderful friend Tina Turner, adding that uh, she was inspiring, warm, funny, and generous. She helped me so much when I was young, and I will never forget her. 
singer Robert, Roberta Flack paid tribute uh, to Turner by remembering her meteoric rise on stage during their 1971 Soul to Soul tour in Ghana. Quote, my friend Tina, thank you uh, for inspiring us to always be everything we were meant to be, regardless of life's challenges. A woman without limits, you will always be my hero, according to the statement. Rock legends John Thurgie and Paul Schaefer said, uh, Tina was the best. I have been rooting for her for years before she recorded Proud Mary and was lucky enough to tour with her with my band uh, Clearance, uh, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Uh, she was amazing on stage. I was so proud that basically Proud Mary with the song that catapulted her from the sort of middle of the rock and roll to the very heights of pop music at that time in, I was just thrilled that she had finally become a household name. Uh, according to uh, Paul Schaefer, she was a hurricane, like a tornado, like a dynamo. No one had ever seen anything like it. Uh, even the White House released a statement saying that uh, Tina Turner's death was a massive loss. Um, and the press secretary, uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, said that Tina Turner was a music icon that had many stages, many amazing moments in her career. Uh, other celebrities released statements, including Mariah Carey, Jennifer Houston, Halle Berry, and Keith Urban. Now, Tina Turner had a had a had a career that spanned decades, decades and decades and decades. She had several studio albums from 1974 to 1999. They include Tina Turner, The Country On, Acid Queen, Rough. Love Explosion, Private Dancer, Break Every Rule, Foreign Affair, What's Love Got to Do With It, Wildest Dreams, and then 1999, 24-7. She had numerous tours, numerous tours, uh, from 1977 to as late as 2009, kept on going. Uh, the uh, 1977 Tina Turner Tour, 1978 was the Tina Turner 78 Tour, 1979 was the Tina Turner Show 79 Tour, Wild Lady of Rock, then uh, it was the Tina Turner Tour, Nice and Rough, from 81 to 83, in 1984 it was the 1984 World Tour, not as uh, spicy with that title, um, then um, after her last album, and she had various tours to uh, uh, support her albums, uh, in 2000 they had she had the 24-7 tour, and then her last tour was in 2008 to 2009, the Tina 50th Anniversary Tour. Uh, she was also, in her earlier career, an opening act for the Rolling Stones in 1981, uh, Rod Stewart also in 1981, and then Lionel Richie in 1984. Uh, she also made some appearances on TV and movies, uh, of which, of which my favorite ones, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is anti-entity, amazing, which she won a 1986 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actress in the Motion Picture. Uh, she had a cameo in The Last Action Hero with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, where she was the mayor. She played the mayor in that movie, which is a really, really amazing. I, lo I love the cameo myself. And then, of course, of course, kind of like my generation, uh, heard her all the time. Uh, when they relaunched James Bond with Pierce Bronson in GoldenEye in 1995, she sang the opening song, GoldenEye, for a James Bond movie. So, 
uh, a pretty amazing career. Amazing career. She had uh, uh, a variety of songs and student, uh, studio albums. Uh, she had her early career in the 60s with Ike Turner. Uh, they sang together as a duo before she, uh, you know, left him and whatnot. But uh, that started in the 60s. It uh, was subject of, you know, much much subject of uh, her uh, biopic movie. Uh, Ike Turner passed away in 2007 and whatnot. But uh, anyways, Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll, passed away this week in 19... Uh, passed, passed away this week at the age of 83. A long, long, amazing career, amazing rock and roll legend. Uh, but passed away this week due to natural causes uh, in Switzerland. Moving along to crime. Hey, guys, remember in January 2020, that riot that happened in Washington, D.C. that tried to overturn the election? No, no, my friends. It wasn't a self-guided tour of tourists just walking through the Capitol on the day they counted electoral votes. It was an attempt to overturn the election. And, uh, hey, boy, howdy. You know what? A lot of people were saying, oh, if it was an insurrection, why hasn't anyone been charged? Well, a lot of people got charged, and this week, uh, several people went to jail for quite a while. First and foremost, uh, there was a famous picture of a guy in a hat holding a flag in uh, Nancy Pelosi's office, putting his feet up on the desk. Well, guess what? He's going to jail for four and a half years. Richard Bigo Bart Barnett is uh, one of the most notorious figures in the January 6th riot. Uh, yeah, he's going to jail for four and a half years. It turns out you can't break into uh, the Capitol, fight with police, and then break into an office and, you know, put put uh, put your foot up on the House Speaker's desk. Uh, take a picture of yourself. Uh, so um, he was widely seen uh, sitting in a reclining chair, his feet up on the desk, had a stun gun in his pocket, and he stole an envelope. And he left a nasty note for Nancy Pelosi and read, Nancy, Big O was here, and ended with a sexist expletive to refer to Nancy Pelosi. He expressed remorse for his actions when he took the window stand, saying, I should have put my feet on the desk. At the time, I thought it was funny. But as a reflection, it seemed crass. Seems crass. Uh, after the conviction, however, he says he was a political persecution, and the jury that convicted him was not a jury of my peers. Well, so, sorry, Big O. Generally speaking, juries are not made of, of other insurrectionists. So, and also, you know, this guy was really proud of it for, like, weeks afterwards. In fact, after the riot, he, uh, uh, found a camera newsman, held up the envelope and says, oh, I took this from the office of Nancy Pelosi and then had a picture of himself of him doing it. So, you know, wasn't that hard for the police to find this guy and then put him at the place of the crime? Uh, I often find it hilarious that folks are saying, well, you know, all those people are riding... And, and about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, all those people, right? How come they're not in jail? No one was convicted for that. Well, you know, side note, lots of people were arrested. You know, thousands. Thousands of people were arrested for that. Um, 
you don't quite hear a lot about it. You don't see a lot of it because, and, and stay with me on this one, because they didn't do it on national TV without masks filming and streaming themselves and then bragging about it in the weeks leading up to it, the day of, and then the weeks leading after it. So, yeah, if you, you know, participate in a riot at night in a city while wearing a mask, not going to be a lot of footage of you. If there is, they're probably going to nab you. In fact, they nabbed someone in Philadelphia for burning a police car because they... They caught a tattoo of the person's arm on camera and then tracked that person down. That, that's how that works. If you're going into a building that is, has probably the most close, high-def, high closed-circuit television cameras in the world being streaming yourself and talking to news people saying, we're going to the Capitol, well, you know what, Charlie? Yeah. Yeah, the FBI's gonna come and find you. That's how that works. That's my taxpayer money doing work. I mean, honestly, it's like a layup. You might as well have just turn yourself in. And then to say, I've been politically prosecuted. No, you jackass. You broke the law. You tried to overturn the election. So enjoy your four and a half years. You'll probably serve two. And being like that guy on the street. Like, oh, that guy. Yeah, he went to jail for trying to overturn the election. Some some guy who used to w run a fake university convinced him to uh, run in and put his feet on put his feet on the Nancy Pelosi's desk. Hope jail's worth it, Big O. Hope jail was worth it. In other January six crime news, also this week, Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers, is going to jail for eighteen years for his role in the January six insurrection. Uh... Again, one of the things that folks keep saying, like, oh, you know what, why are you calling it an insurrection? No one's been charged with sedition. Well, it was convicted on seditious conspiracy, which is kind of a more serious charge. So, yeah, that happened, too. So, prosecutors want one of 25 years for him. But he got 18. It's still one of the longest sentences handed down to date for more than 500 people that were convicted of the January 6th cases. Earlier this month, Pierre Schwartz of Kentucky got 14 years for attacking a police officer with pepper spray as he and a chair as he stormed the Capitol. Again, high-res video, body cams, you tend to get picked up. So it was a two-month trial uh, that showcased a lot of the far right's uh, violent plot to overturn the election. Um, he, uh, said that it was never his plan, and then in the, um, <laughs> in the sort of sentencing statement that he made, he, of course, blamed Antifa and claimed it was a political press persecution. Uh, the government and jury disagreed. Uh, other people have been convicted of seditious, uh, conspiracy, including, uh, Kelly Meggs, which was later the Oath Keepers Flora chapter, and one of his co-defendants, uh, three other uh, defendants, Kenneth Harrelson, Jessica Watkins, and Thomas Codwell, were acquitted of the sedition charge. But everyone, including those two, were convicted of obstructing congressional certification of Biden's election. Um, and so, yeah, he is uh, he's going to jail. And uh, then, uh, also, earlier this month, uh, 
Enrique Tarrio was also convicted of seditions uh, conspiracy, along with other leaders of his far right group as well. They will be sentenced later this year. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's going to jail. I'm sure he'll appeal it, but he is going to jail. Um, he blamed Antifa, of course. And again, I see a lot of arguments on on the on 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 the Twitter. It's like, hey. Why is this guy going to jail for 18 years? He wasn't even there, which is true. He didn't even attack any police officers, which is true. He didn't even go into the Capitol, again, which is true. And yet the um, single thing I will say back to that is, really? Well, gosh, Charlie, Charlie Manson should have used a lawyer because, you know, he never uh, did any of those other crimes. And yet, you know what? He went to jail, too. Why? That's the way that works. That's the way that works. If you encourage people to do stuff that's illegal, then you go to jail. Simple as that. So, um, folks looking to take over a far-right dangerous movement, there's openings at the top! Uh, but yeah, he's going to jail for quite a while. Going quite a while. Although, uh, apparently, apparently, uh, Donald Trump and the newly, the newly entered Ron DeSantis, who's running for president for the Republican nomination, have all said they would consider pardoning the January 6th uh, folks. So, uh, boy, howdy, if that, if that doesn't qual disqualify things in my mind. But uh, anyways, these folks, they're going to jail. Turns out, turns out stopping the steal stopped them from being free. Womp womp. Now, since a lot of these uh, insurrectionists are going to jail, there's one thing they will miss since they can't taste this sweet air of freedom. And that's listening to my pal DC. Yes, that's right. One of the main things they don't get in jail is AWSM radio, as far as I'm aware. I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think they do. But they won't be able to listen to my pal DC. That's right. He's playing Freedom <laughs> every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He's got three shows here. You should check them all out. First up, Fridays at 9, it's DC Live in Effect. Uh, he mixes it up. You don't want to miss out while he smashes it on the beats, the ones, the twos, the threes, the zeros, kicking the beats from South Florida uh, every single week. And then on Saturdays, it's House Party Saturdays. DC is bringing his freestyling DJing to the max. House Party Saturdays gives you all the Miami vibe without actually having to go to god-awful Florida, which is a dumpster fire in the United States. From the top clubs to the bars... DC will bring the party to you Saturdays at 10 p.m. Then finally, Sundays at 10 p.m., it's DC live in effect again. So, just to review, just to review, Fridays at 9, DC live in effect. Saturdays at 10, DC, House Party Saturdays. And then Sundays at 10 p.m., DC live in effect again. Only here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. Moving along to the area of crime and show, show game shows, game shows. Uh, this week begins the trial of a Family Feud contestant who joked about regretting marriage to his wife. Not the joke, but he apparently killed his wife. Uh, and this was years after he regretted joking about it. So, uh, Timothy W. Uh, Blyfinick. Uh, 39 is charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of home invasion in connection to the slaying of Rebecca Blyfinick in Quincy, Illinois, a small city near the Missouri state line. Uh, the defendant was arrested on March 13th in connection 
to the 41-year-old woman's death, according to Adam County Circuit Court records. And uh, trial's already started, so that's a pretty quick turnaround with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with arresting or not. Uh, the, victim, the victim's father, William uh, Postel, or Postel, told jurors this week um, he found his daughter dead on her bathroom floor on February 23rd after she failed to pick up her three kids from school, according to local media. So the trial starts this Monday. Um, a hearing in divorce was set the week before, uh, before she was sh found shot 14 times and made what prosecutors labeled a contentious divorce, according to the Herald Wing, a local newspaper. Uh, she filed an order of protection from her husband in 2021. And, um, yeah, she, they were in the process of a divorce. Now, this has got a lot of attention because uh, he appeared in a Family Feud episode as a contestant on an episode that aired in 2020. Uh, Steve Harvey asked, what's your biggest mistake you made at your wedding? And then he said, uh, I said I do. Not my mistake. Not my mistake. I love my wife. I'm going to get in trouble with that, aren't I? Well, not for that. Not for that. Uh, apparently, last this last Tuesday, uh, her sister, Sarah Riley, uh, took to the stand to testify on behalf of the prosecution. Uh, she said that her sister had previously told her that she was worried her estranged husband might do physical harm. Quote, if something ever happens to me, make sure the number one person of interest is Tim. According to a text uh, she sent to her sister in 2021, I'm putting this in writing that I'm fearful he will somehow harm me. Uh, according to prosecutors, uh, Timothy here uh, conducted a number of searches on the internet prior to his estranged wife's killing, including how to use a crowbar to open a window and how to make a homemade silencer and local police response times. I have to say, uh, not looking good. According to his defense attorney, Casey Schnack, said the evidence is not strong enough to convict the man. Well, there's certainly evidence. Whether or not it is, um, whether or not it is sufficient to convict, I guess a jury will see. So, uh, the trial was last week. Uh, they expect to wrap it up on Friday, maybe Monday, and, uh, I will, someone, someone remind me to follow back up on this and see what happens. Uh, you know, the, the, just as an unrelated note, uh, uh, reading this story on, on, online from USA Today, um, for some reason, you know, like, the, the picture that they picked, you would think they would pick a picture of, uh, the Family Feud episode that he appeared on, right? No, no, they didn't. Uh, they have a picture of Family Feud, um, <laughs> the, here's, I will tell you the, what the picture is, but I will read the caption of the picture they used to talk about the guy who appeared on Family Feud is now on trial for the murder of his estranged wife. The caption of the picture they used for USA, Day, USA Today, just so we're all on the same page here. Kristen Stewart episode 1717, pictured left to right. Beck Bennett as Roger Goodell, Aidy Bryant as Paula Dean, Leslie Jones as Samuel Jackson, Kate McKinnon as Justin Bieber, and Keenan Thompson as Steve Harvey during Celebrity Family Feud sketch on February 4th, 2017. So, 
for the picture that USA Today decided to use for the online version of this phone, of this story, and maybe, maybe USA Today doesn't make these editorial decisions on the internet, but I'm assuming they do. Instead of using a picture from 2020 of the Family Feud episode, where this, uh, this, you know, supposed murderer appeared on with his wife, they picked a Saturday Night Live snapshot from 2017 with people playing celebrities. Interesting editorial choice. <laughs> we now go across the globe to Nepal, specifically Kathmandu, Nepal, where the greatest mountain guide uh, has said he has no plans to retire after climbing Mount Everest for a record 28th time. Nepalese Sherpa Kimi Rita reached the 29,000 plus foot summit on the world's highest mountain this last Tuesday, beating his own record less than one week after setting it. Quote, I will continue to climb as long as my body allows, said the 53-year-old guide as he told reporters after arriving from the mountain at Kathmandu's airport where he was given a hero's welcome by supporters and family members. He said his goal is not to compete for any records, but to help his foreign clients scale the mountain. Uh, apparently this year's climbing season is almost over. Uh, I guess it's not safe to climb between now and next spring. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess they'll be climbing it next spring. Uh, Kima, or Kami, I don't know how to say his name, Kami Rita reached the summit a day after fellow Sherpa guide Passang Dawal matched his previous record of 27 climbs. Uh, a race for the title began with Passang Dawal uh, climbing the peak for the 26th time on May 24th, equaling his record, and then he reached the peak three days later for the 27th time. Uh, Mr. Rita here climbed, first climbed Mount Everest in 1994 and has done so every year since. He is one of the many Sherpa guides uh, that expertise and skills uh, are needed for foreign climbers to safely reach the top of the mountain. His father was among the his father was among the first Sherpa guides to do this uh, when people started climbing the mountain on a semi regular basis. Uh, he scaled the world's highest peaks uh, in addition to Mount Everest, including uh, K2, uh, Cho Oe, Man <laughs> Manasalu, and Lotus. I'm assuming I'm saying those wrong. Uh, thousands of people have climbed Mount Everest since it was first conquered by New Zealander Edmund Hillary and Sherpa guide Tenzing Norgay in 1953. This year is the 70th anniversary of their first climb. Uh, so, wow, that's that's a lot of climbing. You know, also, a lot of people pass away on Mount Everest. I think the, I think the, um, uh, the, the death rate for Mount Everest for climbers is, um, uh, is, uh, actually, you know what, you know what, apparently it's not as bad as it used to be. I thought it was much worse. It is around 1%, uh, because a lot of people climb up there, obviously, um, about 280 deaths have occurred trying to climb Mount Everest. And here's the thing about climbing Mount Everest. It's a very difficult place to get up and get down. Also difficult, moving corpses. 
So if you die on Mount Everest, unless they specifically send the team to get you, guess what? That's where you stay. That's where you stay. They are, if you climb Mount Everest, you will pass some frozen corpses on the way up and on the way down. And uh, a lot of these folks are frozen in place. So even if they wanted to bring it down, they would have to chip the frozen corpse out of the mountain. And that is a lot of money. A lot of money that most folks don't want to spend. And it's not risking other people's lives to do it. Uh, also, a lot of folks, you know, like, oh, he died what he loved doing, so he might as well leave him up there. So that's a thing also. Uh, also a problem about Everest, litter. So much litter. So, like, you need, like, oxygen tanks to get to the very top because the air is very thin up there and you can suffer you know, asphyxiation for not getting enough oxygen. So a lot of people carry uh, oxygen to supplement the breathing. Well, you know what people don't want to do? Carry carry weight. So when you're done with an oxygen tank, they kind of just chuck them to the side. And so there's a lot of empty oxygen tanks just piling up also on Mount Everest. Also, a bit of a problem. A bit of a problem. But anyways, this fella right here, Mr. Rita, world record holder, 28 times climbing Mount Everest. Pretty impressive. Um, his face looks rough. <laughs> He's got, probably, probably suffered a little frostbite on the cheeks here and there, but uh, 53, he plans to keep climbing until he can't do it anymore. Speaking of climbing Mount Everest, now I can't prove this. But I am going to guess that while this uh, feller is climbing Mount Everest, there is only one thing he listens to between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., whatever that local time is over there, Monday through Friday. It's the Rock Sessions. That's right, the Rock Sessions are a drive time show here on AWSM Radio. Making sure your evening commute home is fun, or if you're scaling a mountain in Nepal, that works for both. Featuring the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between, my friend the beautiful Rocks will make it rock, rock style, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know what, I'm going to throw Friday in there for free for you, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. only here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. Going along into some more crime and celebrity news, seems to be a theme for this week, I have absolutely no theme planned, but these are just those interesting stories this week. Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, got served with a lawsuit over the FTX collapse. FTX was a cryptocurrency company that uh, lost billions and billions of dollars. And the founder just doesn't know where it went, which, yeah, not too sure about that. But uh, he was served papers at Game 4 at the Celtics Heat uh, game. Um while he was, uh, while he was, uh, you know, covering the game for inside the NBA, um, uh, he was a spokesman for FTX, which is involved in a fraud case after founder Sam Bankman-Fried was arrested after the company fell apart. Uh, he's not the only person to be named in a class action lawsuit. Others include Tom Brady, his ex-wife Galise Buchen. NBA, MLBA star uh, Shoji Otani, tennis star Naomi Osaki, and Warriors guard Stephen Curry have all been named in a class action lawsuit filed by investors claiming the stars lured unsophisticated investors and cost them their fortunes. Although, as a side note, if Shaquille O'Neal is telling me to invest in something, 
I'm going to do a smidge more research into it and whatnot. I don't exactly know the sports stars for my, you know, well, financial advice. Uh, apparently, he's been there has been an attempt to serve him on multiple times in multiple states uh, and tracked, even tracking him down at the NTNT's Atlanta studio, throwing papers at him in a moving car. Uh, an attorney told the Post it cost more than $100,000 to serve him papers. But he's seven foot one. Not hard to find. Uh, Adam uh, Mouskowitz, an attorney representing the group of investors, told the Post, quote, I haven't heard of anything like this in 30 years. This is a defendant who's well known. He's not fleeing onto another island. He's in America and he's on TV every day, but we can't get near him to serve him. That's insane. Um, he was finally served this Tuesday at the Heat Celtics game, uh, for which he was on site as a part of the analyst coverage for NBA, uh, including Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Ernie Johnson sat at the desk in the middle of the action on the lower level of the arena for all of the television appearances, uh, during the Celtics win. O'Neal reportedly got the process server kicked out of the arena, but the incident was captured on video. <laughs> uh, O'Neill was served papers in Miami's Casa uh, Center, formerly known as FTX Arena. Quote Maskowitz, it was a bit of poetic justice. So uh, Shaquille's being, uh, Shaquille O'Neal being, being uh, Shaquille O'Neal is being served with a lawsuit, and they finally tracked him down at the arena that used to bear the name of the company he worked for, which he's now being sued for, for being involved with. So, boy howdy, that is a bit of poetic justice. Speaking of basketball, did you know we have a basketball show here on AWSM Radio? Well, we do, Wednesday nights at Yield 9pm. It's To The Rack With Mac. To The Rack With Mac is your go-to spot for all things basketball. Join NBA expert Mac Daddy as he brings you a full hour of high-flying hoops expertise for all things NBA, tune in Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. And then at 10 p.m., we just keep the sport train going. It's what's going on. What's going on is our Fox Sports affiliate show, providing listeners with over 150 combined years of sports knowledge. Host Nate Brown and his crew have uh, have been a staple of uh, Western New York sports for the past two decades. And now, a friend, they're national. We've got them here at, at, at 10 p.m. So, just a review. 9 p.m., to the Rack with Mac, 10 p.m. What's going on? Only here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. Next up, my friends, we go to Finland, where they're having an energy crisis. Uh, but unlike other places, like Europe and the United States, where energy prices are too high, in Finland, energy prices are too low. In fact, almost negative. Yes, they have a huge oversupply of clean hydroelectric power, meaning the suppliers are practically giving the energy away because they've got so much of it. They've got so much of it. Uh, this is due to a new nuclear reactor and unexpected floods, which have increased hydroelectric power, has given them a glut of clean energy. Uh, this is a reversal from last year when they were energy poor and were like energy poverty and using uh, electricity from Russia, and then they cut ties from Russia, and now they've got so much, it's it's it's, it's technically, technically too much. Um, 
in practice, ordinary fin Finlanders, Finns are not um, are not paying that much for electricity. They're paying a markup, and a lot of them often uh, lock into rates uh, throughout the year rather than pay raw market price, which can fluctuate wildly. Um, but, uh, yeah, they have too much energy. According to uh, one statement, now there's enough electricity and it's almost emission-free. Feel good about using electricity. But again, they're having, you know, a bit of a problem because if they can't make any money off of electricity, then these companies can't succeed. That's kind of like the unfortunate sort of thing with that. Um, so according to uh, the, the same person, you know, this, this Finnish uh, uh, government official, uh, last winter, the only thing that people could talk about was where to get more electricity. Now we're thinking hard about how to limit production. We've gone from one extreme to the other. Uh, they faced a crisis after ban banning energy imports from Russia last year during its uh, invasion of Ukraine. But a new nuclear reactor was brought online April this year and provided a significant new stream of power for Finland's 5.5 million population. Ogluto uh, 3, the first new nuclear reactor in Europe in more than 50 years, brought the price of electricity in Finland down 75%, from 245 euros to 60 euros per megawatt, water, megawatt hour in April, according to the National. The company, aim, the country aims to become carbon free or carbon neutral by 2035, as in pushing to introduce renewable energy solutions. Uh, Rusham called, told the National that Finland wanted wind to become the primary source of power by 2027. That's four years away. Also contributing to the price of energy drops, uh, excessive meltwater, which has caused flood warnings in several northern European countries, is pushing Finland's hydroelectric plants into overdrive giving plentiful electricity. Quote, During the spring floods, there's often been kind of forced production because production cannot be slowed down due to the huge amount of water. Hydropower often has a poor capacity to regulate in the spring. Um, but yeah, now they're trying to figure out how to manage this excess supply. And uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if they have connections to other countries where they can sell this or not, but that's, that's what they're dealing with. Uh, the, this article says that Finland is now dealing with the opposite problem of poor energy supply. Energy operators may no longer be able to operate normally if electricity is worth less than the cost of producing it. Production that is not profitable at these prices is usually removed from the market. But because hydropower cannot be slowed down or turned off, producers, like nuclear, are looking to dial back their production to avoid losing money on energy production. Um... Rusum said that meant Finns could happily use all the energy they wanted. And I imagine they're busy building power lines to connect to European markets to sell this energy too, because that, that, is, that is big, big, big money. Big, big money. I wish, I wish that was a problem we were dealing with here in the United States. But uh, boy, howdy. More, more wind power is, is a hard sell to a lot of slack-jawed humans. And that, my friends, just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. I've got the energy. I just don't have the time to go on any longer. Thank you for joining me here today. Remember, you can find me on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, the Cameo, the Counter Social, the Facebook, Twitter. Did I say all of them? I'm sure I did. At Colt S. Taylor. You can catch the podcast version of this show 
at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. Please subscribe there. And of course, you can catch up with all other things at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. And uh, finally, if you want a great social media management tool, check them out for 14 days for free, no code needed, socialbeat.io. Tell them that Colt Sebastian Taylor sent you. You won't get anything, but it'll be funny if that gets back to me. Until next time, my friends, I am, of course, your friend, the one, the only, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later. And once again, thank you for listening to the podcast version of the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, on Anchor.fm, YouTube, or whatever your podcast listening service is. Really appreciate it. As always, check the links in the post below, including um, Life Points and my pals, socialb.io. Until next week, once again, for the Colt Sebastian Taylor Media Network and the Sad Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. It's me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.